Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm just going to dive right in this week, and I'm going to get right to the point. Actually, it's not my point. I'm going to get right to the point that Mark Twain once made, which is this. Whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. I feel like since the time when I first got into hearing healthcare, I have been pausing and reflecting on why the heck my beloved field has made some of the crazy decisions that it has made. Why do I feel like every time the elites that are up in their ivory tower put forth some crazy proclamation, it's like the exact opposite of what I was thinking and the direction we should probably go? I mean, I'm not just talking about the last few years. Recently, let me tell you a little story. Recently, I was doing a boatload of research for this tinnitus certification course, this thing that I run through the Excellence in Audiology University. Great CEU opportunity. And as part of this journey, I was actually going back as far as I could, just, just ruffling through the literature, trying to find evidence of people reporting sounds in their ears and how it impacted them and, and what they would do about it. Right. I'm talking all the way back to ancient Egypt, like the papyrus embers. I'm not going to give you a history lesson, but what struck me as comical is that it was the salesman in the 20th century who came up with the concept of selling a sound generator ear level to a person that was suffering with tinnitus. You get that? Despite the fact that we've known for hundreds of years that masking is a viable solution to help with ringing in the ears. It took a salesman of all people to realize that they could help these people, that they could provide a solution, and that in turn, they could make a living and support their family. And the last I checked, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You see, the ironic part of the story is that guess who railed against the salesman for doing this? Can you guess? You guessed it. The early audiologists in their ivory tower and plenty of medical doctors too. Now, if you fast forward to today, in just the last 60 years, the most well-known, well-described and most validated form of treatment for tinnitus is to provide acoustical biological sound stimulation through a hearing aid that provides both masking <clears throat> And it provides the stimulation that the patient needs, providing an opportunity for the brain to potentially rewire itself and overcome that blasphemous phantom sound. Now, this is just one example, and I could go on and on and on. And for those of you that know me, you might know a little bit about my story. You also might know that I don't mince words. For better or worse, you also know that very early on in my career in clinical audiology, that I was so uncomfortable being part of the in crowd, so uncomfortable with the majority that I opted to leave my field. The profession that I had chosen as a student, I put six years of school into it and I decided it wasn't for me. Not because I couldn't handle it, not because I didn't excel in my courses, but rather I was so appalled at the direction of the field and where I saw it going. So as Mark Twain said, at the time I paused and I reflected and I chose a different path, perhaps a pass, path less taken. Now, fast forward and back to my point. I have watched the field for the last five to 10 years, aggressively raise money 
which means use all the fees that we pay to our organizations, take all that money and lobby for increased patient access. No, pause for a second. I'm not suggesting that I don't believe in patient access and affordability. Please do not accuse me of that. Do not leave me a comment anywhere on the internet. Do not send me an email attempting to claim that I'm somehow arguing against access and affordability. That's not what I'm talking about. My point here is that through all the money spent, all of the political influence gained, and all of the, dare I say, sleazy backroom deals, what do we have to show for it? What do we get in return? I'll tell you what we got. Number one, we got third-party reimbursement of our services. You know who I'm talking about without naming any business names. Heck, I don't even blame them. They're just doing what we asked for. They are making the cost of goods more affordable while, you guessed it, lowering the value of the services that we provide. Oh, and guess what? As time goes on, what do you think? Do you think the third parties will be more appreciative and maybe they'll pay us more? Or will they push us out even more and pay us even less? You already know the answer, because if you work with third parties, your fees have been lowered every year, right? For the last five years, probably. So I've been told, right? I told the third parties that they can go to hell a few years ago, because I will not compromise my value, and I will not compromise my patient's care. So I don't work with them, okay? When I sit around and wonder, who do I have to thank for all of this good fortune of having all these third parties to reduce our value, I look no further than the mirror. I look no further than the field of hearing healthcare. And number two, here's the other most egregious issue. We have successfully lobbied giant corporations. We've asked them to be a middleman for our service. We have turned our thoughts and prayers and hopes that maybe, just maybe, the government will bail us out. That is probably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. When is the last time that an organization or some company has ever said, hmm, you know, things aren't going well. We should probably get the government involved. Side note, again, don't want nasty emails. I love the government and I respect what the institution has done for our lives and for our country and for our safety, even if I don't always agree with it. And so please, don't contact me claiming that I'm some anti-government whack job. That's not what this is about. While I have sat back and not paid much attention to the new Medicare Audiologist Access and Services Act, HR something or other, I had a hearty chuckle when I found out that although the bill continues to work its way through the sacred halls of Congress, that after all the years, after all the money, all the lobbying, and all the backroom deals that happened, that even if the bill is passed, wait for it, that we continue to be subservient to the almighty medical physician. And look, again, not a knock to physicians. I love me some great MDs that help me live my best life and live as long as I can. Has nothing to do with that. But after all the work that went into it, what do we really have to show for it? What have we achieved? I can tell you what we have not achieved. We have not achieved the autonomy we deserve. Why? Because we asked for it, because we begged for it. And now we're about to accept the outcome for which we no longer have any control over.
Who is Congress? Who are the MDs to tell us what I can and can't do with our patients that we've been trained to do? I will not accept being relegated to the children's table any longer while the adults all sit around and tell us what we can and cannot do and what direction our field needs to go in. It's not acceptable. When are we going to take the power back? When are we going to say, no, this is not acceptable, and we don't endorse any of it? When are we going to make the sacrifice and, and, dare I say, stand up for ourselves and everything we do? No great leader, no great movement has ever been complacent. And finally, as I sit back and I laugh at what's happening, I cry a little bit too with everything that's going on in hearing healthcare. What really strikes me is the fine print of the press release from the American Speech Language Hearing Association, the Academy of Doctors of Audiology, the American Academy of Audiology, expressing their disdain for the fact that the hearing instrument specialist is somehow allowed to sit next to us at the children's table. Because if it were up to these organizations, the HIS baby would be put to bed before dinner is ever even served. I mean, when is this pissing match going to end? When are we going to stop whining, kicking and screaming and stomping our feet on the ground, proclaiming that we are better because we have better letters after our name? Look, I completely understand. And I agree. We have a different level of education a different level of expertise, and we're eligible to provide different services, period. That's not a debatable fact. But when there are 42 million people, the vast majority of which have your standard presbycusis with accompanying tinnitus, they need our help. They, that there's 42 million people living with untreated hearing loss and tinnitus that live with the increased risk of falling, the increased risk of dementia. They live with increased risk of losing their home. They live with increased risk of premature death. And we can help them. All of us can help them. I don't want to hear another person say that I'm better than he is and I'm more qualified. The reason we help less than 20% of people who are eligible for our services is our fault. The reason third parties exist is our fault. The reason Congress is laughing at us and treating us like children is our fault. There's nobody to blame but us. That includes audiologists, and that includes hearing instrument specialists. We're in this together. Face it, there are bad apples in every orchard. And if you don't believe me, then please tell me why eight out of 10 audiology websites focus solely on selling a widget test drives and demo, demo, demo. That is probably the furthest thing that will help us to differentiate ourselves and help people to understand, regular people, congressmen, help them to understand the insane value that we provide to our patients every day. No more widgets. When are we going to come together? When are we going to realize that we are better together? When are we going to realize that together, we have the power to help 42 million Americans, nearly 500 million people worldwide, to live their absolute best life. We can help 42 million people realize that they can prevent dementia. We can help 42 million people understand that we can help them live with less ringing in their ears. We can help 42 million people understand that hearing care is health care and that we, 
Hearing healthcare providers hold one of the most important keys to active aging. So yes, I'm mad, but I'm also kind of used to it. Even though I left the field for a decade, I am glad I came back. I am glad that I had the fortitude and the foresight to come back and realize that if I'm going to make a difference, then I must pause and reflect and that I probably need to do the exact opposite of what's happening around me, that I need to pause and reflect and do the opposite of what the majority in our field are doing. And that's what we do every day in our practice and for our clients at Odd Experts. I guess my question to you is, in the end, will we come together? Will we take it back? Will we take back control? Will we take back our future? And will we take back our field? I wake up every day excited and motivated and forever grateful that I did choose hearing healthcare as a way to make a difference and as a way to provide for my family. I hope this message resonates with you, and I hope that you will join me on this crusade. And I hope, beyond all hopes, that we will come together, everyone in our field, to do the right thing for our patients and for the field of hearing healthcare. We can do both. But as this saying goes, a house divided cannot stand. Thank you. And keep striving towards excellence in audiology.